Do you realize that God takes note when you are unjustly hated? Genesis 30 continues with the rivalry between Rachel and Leah and shows how despite many opposing forces, God will fulfill his promises to Jacob. For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend us. For the Lord is our defense, yes, to defend The previous chapter closed by accounting to us the four sons that God gave to Jacob through his less favoured wife, Leah. Well, as we look at Genesis 30, the opening eight verses begin by accounting to us Rachel's frustration. We learn that she's not just lamenting her barrenness, but she's envious of her sister and blames the circumstances on her husband, Jacob. This unjust and sinful response angers Jacob, and he rightly acknowledges the hand of God in his wife's barrenness, but he lacks the tact or sense to know how to comfort his wife in her sorrow. Unfortunately, in her plight, rather than learning to turn to God in prayer, Rachel turns to her handmaiden, Bilhah. Now, this reads as if she's doing similar to what Sarah did when she suggested Hagar, but the sin is worse than Sarah's because she's not merely being driven by a sense of her barrenness, she's being driven by a sense of envy. This fact is proved by how she names her two sons Dan and Naphtali because they reflect a sense that she feels she's prevailing over her sister Leah. In verses 9 through 13, Leah, not content to just keep rejoicing in Judah and her other three sons, gives her handmaiden to Jacob as well, Zilpah, who bears for Jacob Gad and Asher. Now verses 14 through 24 give us this little narrative of a young Reuben finding mandrakes and bringing them to his mother. Now these Flowers or plants are believed to have possessed uh, certain fertility-related qualities, let's just put it that way. And so rare they are, it would appear anyway, that Rachel is desperate to get her hands upon them. Now, if you read Leah's response, it seems to indicate that Jacob had given conjugal authority into the hands of Rachel. And so Leah's negotiating with Rachel based upon the mandrakes. And given the wickedness of how she's being treated, God is pleased to bless her again with a fifth son, a sixth son, and then with Dinah as well. And with that, such as the sense perhaps of a divine frown upon her life, Rachel, it seems upon reading this, is driven to God in prayer. And God hears her prayer and finally opens her womb and blesses her with Joseph. And so from verse 25 through to the end of the chapter, we see that Jacob now is motivated to return to Canaan. With the birth of Joseph, he's feeling like now is the time. And yet Laban is desperate to keep him there. He knows that his prosperity is really down to the presence of Jacob. And so in verse 28, he comes to him and basically says, name your price. Now, if I'm reading this passage right, Jacob just seems to want to get out of there. But when he's pressed by Laban, he comes up with an arrangement. Basically, Laban, you take then the uh, valuable livestock, the solid-colored livestock. I'll take the lower-valued livestock, the speckled and spotted. And, and does that work for you? And so this is agreeable to Laban. But, but remember, <laughs> Laban is a deceiver. And his whole aim is to try and keep Jacob there. So... He takes what would be 
uh, those that Jacob might expect to get his wealth from, the lower valued ones, the speckled and spotted, he takes them, gives them to his sons, and they're taken away three days journey away so that they can't influence or mix among the, the remaining of the livestock that Jacob is left with. Now, when you read of Jacob taking of these various trees, stripping the bark and placing them in the water troughs, it's really been taken in two primary ways. Some view it as Jacob believed in old wives' tales. Others see it as Jacob really being so desperate he's willing to try anything. And so that's why he does it. And yet both come to the conclusion that God overrules anyway. And it's by an act of God that God prospers him despite everything being against him. What's fascinating is that in 2008, there was a study done on the prenatal nutritional influence of what's found in these particular trees in what is known as methylation. Now, this isn't the place to go into the study, but if I can summarize it, methylation is the influence upon gene expression. In other words, some of these animals would have had, even though they were solid in color, they would have had in them latent the genes to be spotted and striped and so on. And by certain chemicals or nutritional influence at the point of conception or around that time, they can be influenced to bring out or manifest those latent genes in the offspring. Whatever the case Jacob needs God's blessing to break free from the tyranny of Laban. And that's exactly what he experiences. And so we come to application one. Good theology can be used in bad ways. Jacob knows and can see that it is God's hand that is upon Rachel's barrenness, but he responds angrily against her rather than patiently. Now Paul counsels Timothy that the servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and so on and so forth. But that's not just good counsel for pastors and church leaders. That's good counsel for fathers and those who are superiors in any setting. Don't abuse people with good theology. Use that theology to try and comfort them and lead them and patiently do so even when they're struggling to understand. Two, in good times or in bad, you can respond in either faith or frustration it took Leah four sons before finally she could find her joy in God rather than in however Jacob would look at her. And for Rachel as well, she also goes through this long period of struggle until finally it seems from verse 22 she is praying and God responds to her prayer and gives her the desire of her heart. This kind of thing can keep many sins away from the soul. You know, when we're finding ourselves annoyed at what someone has done or said to us and we respond, are we responding in faith, knowing that God is in control or in frustration? Angrily responding just like Rachel did against Jacob, that was frustration speaking. Whereas later, faith speaks, she prays and God hears her prayer. Three, God's people are commanded to rejoice in God's blessings upon others. Neither Leah nor Rachel can enter into the happiness of the other. This is sinful. The Christian life is not just about not being envious at others, but to be joyful, to show God's character in what's happening. Now, children, this is maybe a word to you because sometimes your sibling might 
enjoy something. They may be rewarded for something. They may have accomplished something. And they're happy and delighted. And as you see their happiness, you feel in your heart, instead of happiness, you feel jealous, envious. You, you just feel this, this, this bad feeling in your heart. Oh, boys and girls, don't succumb to it. Don't allow yourself to become a bitter person. Learn, when you see the happiness of your sibling, to be happy with them and for them. Four, new trials need fresh grace. Leah had learned to rejoice in what God had done for her, but when Rachel's handmaid starts bearing children, she finds herself pulled into this envious spirit. Christian, learn the lesson. It doesn't matter how disciplined, how gracious you have been in the past, you never know when an attack is going to catch you off guard. And so how, how do you fight against this? How do you guard yourself against succumbing to discontentment, even though you've been content in the past? Maintain a cross-centered focus. When that spirit of discontentment arises, get yourself to the foot of the cross. See the sufferings of Christ and there see the reason why you can be content no matter what someone's saying or what anyone is doing. Finally, God will bless his people despite sin and despite the best efforts of evil men. Jacob <laughs> just runs from one trouble to the next. But the whole point of this is that despite Jacob not having his inheritance from Isaac, despite his sin, despite his folly, despite his slavery under Laban, God is going to keep his word and is going to bless him and multiply him exceedingly, just as you find in the very last verse of this chapter. And so here's the point, believer. You can be assured of prosperity by trusting in Christ. Now, you may not have access to the promises of material prosperity like Jacob had, but what we find is in the New Covenant era, there is still great prosperity given to the people of God. And in fact, the focus now, rather than being on the material, is predominantly focused upon Christ. That since we have Christ, we have far more in the way of prosperity than anyone could ever have. And though the patriarchs believed and though they were trusting in Christ by faith, they did not possess to the same degree that presence and reassurance of Christ by the Spirit in their lives. We, on the other side of the cross, know that the seed of the woman has bruised the head of the serpent and that he will continue, Christ will continue to give victory to his people against all the deceptive works of Satan's offspring. Yeah.